0: Our first reading this morning is taken from the second letter of Paul to the Corinthians chapter 1 and you can find this on page 1158 in the Bibles beside you or I think it will be up on the screen. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and we're reading verses 1 to 11. Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the Church of God in Corinth, together with all the saints throughout Achaia. Grace and peace to you, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. If we are distressed We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts we felt the sentence of death. But this happened so that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us, as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favour granted us in answer to the prayers of many. This is the word of the Lord.
1: second reading is from Luke 22, verses 14 to 34, and can be found on page 1058 of your church Bible. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer, for I tell you, Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. The Son of Man will go as it has been decreed, but woe to that man who betrays him they began to question among themselves which of them it might be who would do this. Also, a dispute arose among them as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. Jesus said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater? The one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. You are those who have stood by me in my trials. And I confer on, on you a kingdom, just as my father conferred one on me, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, and sit on thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But he replied, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. Jesus answered I tell you Peter before the cock crows today you will deny me three times that you know me this is the word of the Lord
2: just before we begin a reminder of the cross up behind me this does not have long term planning permission Okay, so this is only temporary and last week I threw out a challenge to you to see if you could come up with any better design. Come and talk with me and we'd look at uh, doing something behind the dais with your ideas. What I want to challenge you with today is that you ask yourself, how does this cross speak to you? Different to the other crosses that you have seen. What specifically does this cross say to you of Jesus, the one who died on the cross? I'll leave that with you. Well, this year, we are in our summer school of prayer again, but this year, we're having a look at a rather more difficult, challenging kind of praying, waiting prayer. In our um, have-it-now generation, we find it very difficult to think that if we ask for something, we should have to wait for it. We want... We ask for it, we want to get it right now. We don't want to have to wait. But hard as it may be for us to grapple with, to get to grips with the idea of a waiting kind of prayer, I guess it shouldn't be too much of a surprise for us. Jesus himself, his prayer life, came out of a thousand years and more of the longing and waiting of the Jewish people for their Messiah to come. And since then, Christians have been waiting and longing for two millennia more for our Lord Jesus to come back again and to make all things new. Last week, we explored the wilderness, a grim place, a place we don't want to be, a place in which we find ourselves unexpectedly. Not the place that we've come from, not the place that we're going to, but a place of struggle right now. And we were encouraged to find that it was a place that Jesus knows well, which he can guide us through. This week, we're looking at another biblical image which takes our thinking on a little further. There's a little apple orchard outside my parents' cottage, if three trees could be taken to be an orchard. They're um, made of, uh, they they, um, comprise traditional flavorsome English apple tree varieties. And we always enjoyed eating them, although a lot went to waste. And then a few years ago, my dad stumbled stumbled across a local um, cider press, which arranged to take all the apples and to crush them and bottle and pasteurize them. And as a result we have had delif- delicious apple juice all year round. In fact, I was so inspired by this that I planted two trees in my own garden. And this year, uh, had the sum total of four apples, one of whom, unfortunately, my daughter knocked off two days ago. So I now only have three apples. I'm not entirely sure that this is going to make me a bottle of juice. Still, there's always hope for the future. Well, there are no cider presses in the Bible, but there are grape and olive presses. Here is an olive press which we saw when uh, we took a trip from here to the Holy Land a few years ago. Um, You can see how the heavy stone rolls around the press and crushes uh, the olives, and and from that, uh, a little funnel produces, uh, out of that flows the olive juice, the olive oil. Which had many uses in Jesus' day. There are also in the Bible wine presses to make wine. In Bible times, um, making wine, making the grape juice out of which wine uh, came, was a very laborious process. You have, to, you have to crush the grapes so that the juice will come down it. And well, here's a, here's a bowl with a bunch of grapes in it. But if you can imagine all the bunches of grapes from all the vines in all the vineyards around a village, you come up with a lot of grapes. So it's a very, very big bowl. So it's not just pressing it with your thumb and they didn't have um, mechanical presses then. So that involved people. Lots of people trampling on the grapes, pressing and squashing the grapes against each other so that the juice flowed down through the grapes into uh, the bowl at the bottom of the pit. Very, very laborious. Lots of effort, hard, unremitting labor. But out of that exhausting toil comes something sweet and delicious. A bottle of wine. Well, I don't have any Israeli wine here. So I do my best with Australian Shiraz. But as far as I'm concerned, maybe that's all to the good. Christians quickly made the connection with Jesus, of course, whose suffering poured out the sweetness of God and his loving kindness on us. Jesus himself didn't use the wine press image about his own labors, but he does talk about the blood that he will shed for his disciples using the powerful image of wine poured out into a cup. This is Jesus suffering, pouring out his love and life for us. After taking the cup of wine Jesus gave thanks and said take this and share it amongst you for i tell you i will not drink again of the fruit of the wine of the vine until the kingdom of god comes this cup is the new promise of relationship with god sealed in my blood which is poured out for you Well, it's Paul who makes the connection between suffering and the wine press. In the passage that we heard, he uses a Greek word for per- persistent affliction. It's a word that actually means squashing or pressing or crushing, and it's got uh, resonances, themes of um, being of slavery and uh, duress. I wonder if anyone here can identify with that, that sense of being squashed and pressed and crushed? Are you feeling trapped by your circumstances or, or by others? Are you caring for someone who may not get any better, a parent or a child or a spouse? Are you struggling to help them through the day to make their life better? Do you, do you come back from work anxious as to whether you've given the right diagnosis or made the right intervention. All of us, in one way or another, labor for others. Sometimes that labor is easy, and sometimes it is hard work, monotonous, ongoing. If this is what it's like for you, says St. Paul, If, like Jesus, you are enduring affliction for the sake of others, then you are drawing closer to Jesus in his suffering. Well, Paul himself understood this. He was routinely experiencing beatings and stonings and trials, physical hardships, the jeers and sneers of his opponents, as well as his constant anxiety for the churches that he had planted. And he accepted all these sufferings, all this affliction without complaint so that he could have the privilege of sharing the good news of Jesus with those who hadn't yet heard it. But as he endured these afflictions, this squashing, this pressure, he realized he was being pressed closer to Jesus, sharing his sufferings. And as that happened... Paul could see that the fullness of Jesus was overflowing into him. That grace, that wine of Jesus' love of his spirit poured into Paul's life. And then from Paul, Jesus' grace was being squeezed out and poured into the life of others. In the communion service, we remember that this The blood, the love of Jesus is given to us and then we offer it to each other as his love is shared through us further. We have an image that's rather like that, that we celebrate um, in baptism services and at uh, St. Jude's School. Uh, We share it at every uh, collective worship. We say that Jesus, as he said, is the light of the world. And in baptism, or in our life of discipleship, we are lit by the light of Jesus. So that not only he, but we too, in him, become the light of the world. His light is shed through us. Or you could think of it as a... um, as a fountain, a spring at the top of a mountainside bubbling up out of the ground and, and falling into a natural rock basin. And then as, that, as the water keeps flowing, that rock basin overflows and spills down the hillside into the next pool. And as that fills into the next and then the next, flowing on down the mountainside. Or you could think of the water tank at the top of your house and then when you turn the tap the water flows from that tank into your bath and as it goes on flowing it floods out of the bath and fills the rest of the house No, maybe that's not such a good image what paul understood was that this overflow of blessing particularly happens under pressure So here I have an orange. You can see all this luscious juice locked up inside the the, the microcapsules of the orange's flesh. If I put it under pressure, however, that juice starts to flow out. Lost myself. So here, the juice comes out of the orange. And what's more, if you don't get resentful, Paul says, if you don't resent the pressure that you're, you're in, that you're under, that juice, extraordinarily, in our case, becomes Sweeter. The juice isn't just unlocked but actually it matures. And then that juice can be poured out in blessing to others. And a great blessing it is too. So so Paul is not asking us to endure suffering to show how tough we are, as if we were a Marine or a member of the SAS. Sorry, Joss. Apologies. In fact, Paul concentrates on his weakness and how that weakness forces him closer to Jesus. It's Christ's strength and not our endurance which produces the sweet juice out of the wine press from this fruit squeezer. What we have to do is to trust Jesus so that the wine doesn't go sour. We'll then find with St. Paul that Christ gets very close to us, that we'll know the comfort of his presence strengthening us. As Paul says in the passage from 2 Corinthians 1 that we just heard, we were under great pressure, far beyond any of our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such deadly peril, and he will deliver us Again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. More than that, says Paul, we will find that Jesus' comfort is, is flowing over into our lives and then into the lives of others. Remember, comfort actually means strength. It's not just a warm and comfortable feeling. It's the strength to endure that we can pass on to others. The strength that we receive and the lessons we learn will strengthen others and we'll be able to pray for them in their struggles with the confidence that we've learnt through our own. So Paul says in verse 8, the God of all comfort, sorry, verse 4, the God of all comfort comforts us in our afflictions so that we can comfort those in any afflictions that they have, with the comfort that we ourselves received from God. If we're afflicted, it's for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings that we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. The particular comfort that Paul had was to know not only that the suffering that he was enduring was producing in him a comfort that he could pass on to his uh, church in Corinth, not only that they were receiving that comfort from Jesus through him so that they were growing close to Jesus and they too were being comforted with Jesus' strength and comfort in them, but also that that was producing in them the comfort and strength which they too could pass on to others. You remember the image of the fountain into the bowl and then into one pool after another. Jesus' comfort is not retained in himself or even in us. It pours out from one into another wider and wider. This is exactly what Jesus is saying to St Peter. Remember he says I have prayed to you, prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. That even when you are crushed and squashed, when you fall, you will find the comfort that I have prayed for you. And then Turn back and strengthen your brothers. And when we read the letters of Peter, we can see how very powerfully this comfort of Jesus prayed into St. Peter is flowing out into the lives of many Christians around the world. Some of the sweetest juices which pressure extracts from us are more obvious. Living under pressure can teach us courage and persistence. It can grow in us compassion and humility. It can bless us with simplicity of life and contentment. I have to say, it was very painful for me to watch my father slowly lose his physical and mental capacities in the last year of his life. He himself, however, received in greater and greater amount the blessing of contentment and of simplicity as his life's works were slowly stripped away and as he rested more and more in the love and compassion and care of others. And that delight, the delight he took particularly in present joys and most of all in the the company of those he loved and the company of those who cared for him, that delight touched theirs too, and the same was true for my mum. The compassion and the endurance that was um, that was brought to birth in her as she cared for my father, gruellingly, routinely, day after day, overflowed into the lives of others, so that she was constantly looking out for the ways she could care for them, even on the day of my father's death, caring for the carers in their grief. So, how do we pray when we are going through tough times of real struggle for other people? I think we can do two things. We can pray in two ways. Firstly, we can practice being steadfast. Jesus knows what we are enduring He knows why and he knows for how long. He knows it's until the juice in us has become sweet with courage and compassion, humility and patience. And what's more, he has been through this same process himself. By praying prayers of steadfastness, of trust, we stop that juice in us going sour. If you feel that you're in the wine press, then pray for steadfastness. Pray to come close to Jesus in his suffering. Pray out prayers of trust in him. Pray that he will work something good in you which you can share with others. Though you may not recognize what Jesus is doing in you, other people will, and they will taste the sweetness of it. And remember, you can experience and pray this through most powerfully most helpfully in the service of Holy Communion as we celebrate and remember how Jesus died on the cross for us and how God, his Father, our Father, raised up that crucifixion in resurrection, that suffering in new life. So if you're in the wine press, pray, firstly, to stay close to Jesus. Secondly, I think we can also practice solidarity. Practice solidarity with other Christians under pressure. Your sharper sense of Jesus' own sufferings and of his presence with you in your sufferings will give you a stronger connection with all those who are suffering for others for Jesus' sake. And that will help you to intercede for them, to feel for them and to encourage them and to fight for justice on their behalf. So choose someone you know, someone you've heard about and pray for them in their struggles and ask Jesus how to be his hands and his mouth to bring his encouragement to them, to let them know that they aren't forgotten but that Jesus is very near. And pray for them too That this pressure, this struggle, will not end in sourness and bitterness, but will end in the sweet juice of Jesus' grace poured out from them. So if you're in the wine press, pray that others will come closer to Jesus too. Shall we do that now? Heavenly Father, Father of our Lord Jesus, you watched your Son suffer for us and die. You understand profoundly those of us whose experiences to watch those they love struggle and suffer. But in Jesus we know too that you understand the process of suffering and struggling from within. And so you are in close, in close intimacy with us in our own struggles for others. Draw us close through the Lord Jesus by the power of his Spirit to your presence as we struggle. That knowing Jesus' struggle, we may know you better And know too your love for us poured out through him into our hearts. Heavenly Father, we lift up those struggles to you and ask that they would produce in us juice that is sweet and a blessing, not sour and bitter. And then use that richness, that understanding, those characteristics that you have grown in us to bless others as your son has blessed us. And so we pray for all those we know who are struggling, who are suffering, that through us you might pour out love into their lives, into their hearts. That you might draw them close to you. And that you might work in them a miracle of your grace. That they too, in their struggles and their sufferings, might both be comforted and become comforters, strengtheners in their turn. May the God of all grace who called us to follow his son Christ Jesus our Lord in his suffering, establish, strengthen and settle us in our faith. Defend us on every side And guide us in truth and peace that our lives might be poured out in joy for the blessing of others until he welcomes us all into his eternal joy and glory.
1: Amen.